0: Hello hello hello. Uh, it is Moscow Mitch Monday. We are your Mitch McConnell Retirement Committee. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, final Monday evening before the big election. Woo! Anyone else a little nervous? A little a little freaking out? Anyone? Just me? just me. Uh yeah, it's uh you know, we've been doing I did we've been doing this for over 6 months preparing for this day so uh yeah we put a lot of time and energy into helping educate kentucky voters about how mitch fails our commonwealth and about why we need to retire him tomorrow uh let's see if it pays off you know but we have not spent the millions that some have (laughs) so uh in terms of you know time investment i feel like this is pretty significant in terms of dollar investment there are others who've spent more Um, certainly. Anyway, it's a great show. uh, Our kind of final pre-election show. Uh, We're of course going to be opening up with Mitch in the news because every week he's in the news doing something horrible. Uh, We got Doug following Mitch's money. He's doing a kind of top, five uh, of Mitch's kind of worst moments uh, since he's been doing that uh, deep dive into Mitch's campaign finance related, uh, related actions or inactions rather. Uh, this week, our guest is Dr. Twina Bell, who's an educational researcher who's going to be sharing her thoughts uh, with us. She actually uh, is a, 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 she's at minorityfamilies.org uh, to learn more about her and her work. Um, uh, We've got the Fayette County Democratic Party Chairman Josh Mers joining us in Campaign's Corner. Uh, we got a video from our event this weekend uh, where Kentucky State Senator Reggie Thomas and uh, Mike Breuer uh, will share uh, kind of, you know, uh, what they... We've got a video of what they shared with us this weekend. Uh, We have got just one day to go, uh, so, you know, if you haven't voted yet... Tomorrow's the day. Make your plan. Make it happen. Uh, and uh, with 24 hours to go, just over 24 hours to go until this, uh, just under 24 hours to go until this election is over, uh, we just have a few minutes to, you know, to, to have, a, uh, have an impact on the race. So please do help out, pitch in however you can, uh, you know, spread the word, help us educate Kentucky voters in this final push. Uh, Mitch does not care about you, right? He, he just doesn't. Uh, You know, I've been texting a lot of voters. Uh, We've got our through text campaign right now where we're making our way through, you know, tens of thousands of voters in the Kentucky 6th District. Uh, And people just really seem, you know, to think that the only issue that matters is abortion. Right. So somehow the uh, the corporate Republicans have convinced people in, you know, Kentucky that that's the issue that's on the ballot. We know there's a whole lot of issues that are on the ballot. Uh, and we need to educate folks about what those issues truly are, uh, and how cor- uh, how Mitch's corporate agenda uh, really just uh, leaves us, uh, you know, high and dry again and again and again. Uh, one thing that we learned through this show that I thought was very you know telling is that you cannot get any of Mitch's time unless you donate twenty five thousand dollars to him, <laughs> right? Like, I'm sorry, but that's not representative democracy, right? When you have to pay $25,000 to get time with, with your uh, elected official, that is just, it's really just bribery. Uh, and that is you know, what we're looking at right now. So unless you have $25,000, Mitch doesn't care about you. Oh, oh, maybe if you're a young conservative judge, then you don't have to give Mitch $25,000 to get some of your time. You, you might even get a seat on some, uh, some federal court, uh, but that's really the only two kind of qualities that he looks for in people. Uh, the folks with money and some ju- youthful judicial conservative credentials. So that's what we've got. Uh, and that's what we're going to be uh, helping to tell people about this final final push for this election. But uh, excited about the show. Let's get into it. Quick introductions. Uh, as everyone knows, this is not just some talking head show on the Internet. This is a digital demonstration against Mitch McConnell. So we want to keep that demonstration happening Who are you, where are you coming from, and what does your protest sign say today? Uh, So I'm Aaron, I am uh, coming at you from Chilesburg, a lovely community in Lexington. Uh, And my protest sign says today, vote for a functioning democracy, hashtag ditch Mitch. Nate, Nate, are you you there, Nate? Can you join us? What's your sign say today? I'm, I'm nearly here. Hey folks, this is Nato Orshan
1: broadcasting live from in my lovely home here in South Frankfurt. And uh, today my sign would say, it's going to be a big sign. Mitch equals depraved indifference to your suffering. Amy equals moral compassion.
0: Thank you. Moral compassion. We need more moral compassion and less depraved indifference. That's for sure. Kimberly, how about you?
2: I'm coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky, home of Mitch McConnell. And actually all day I've been shopping and I've been at Party City and the liquor stores and everywhere, getting things together for Mitch McConnell's retirement party that's gonna be here in Louisville, just to let you guys know. So my protest sign says today, Mitch, you're out.
0: Fantastic. And that's definitely short enough to fit on a reasonable size sign, uh, unlike Nate's always very long uh, words. All right, so let's do mention the news. I think, I think we've got uh, Kimberly with one of the big stories that's happening right now, or not happening right now, rather.
2: Exactly, Aaron. Right now, another stimulus. We've been waiting for so long. However, Trump says right after the election, there will be a stimulus plan and Nancy Pelosi says ASAP Mitch says not so fast maybe he'll start his negotiations at the end of this year Mitch is doing everything in his power to blame Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats for the fact that there was no stimulus but the reality is that the House and the White House were very close to a deal A lot of people didn't know that, but they were very close to a deal. And the one thing that was very problematic about it was the House insistence on a contact tracing support program, which we need right now more than ever, which, of course, the White House opposes, just like they do COVID. They prefer to host super spreader events, not in them. But Mitch scuttled the entire negotiation because he thought it was politically bad for his senators. Hmm. He wouldn't allow aid to states or local governments and wouldn't agree to much beyond a modest renewal of the payroll protection program, otherwise known as the PPP and some PPE. Support as well as his massive effort for legal protections for irresponsible corporations, which is nothing new to us. And it was not a good faith negotiation in the slightest. Once again, Mitch McConnell shows exactly who he is. And instead of even bringing it to the Senate floor or having more conversations, we got a new Supreme Court judge. Go figure, it's Mitch McConnell every day of the week.
0: Yeah, nothing shocking, right? Nothing shocking about that agenda about what, you know, Mitch did. But again, I don't know if I mentioned this, I've sent thousands of texts to Kentucky voters and you know, you know besides Abortion being, you know, the kind of top issue that people reply with. Uh, the other one is that Nancy Pelosi was the one who wouldn't uh, agree to a stimulus, right? So Mitch is doing a really good job of blaming the Democrats for this, even though it was very clear what he was offering was this, you know, skinny, uh, skinny stimulus program. Which how do you do a skinny stimulus bill? Like, you know, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense at all? Uh, and that the what, as he said, Kimberly, the White House and the House. We're actually very close together and could have get, gotten something done, but Mitch decided, nope, not not for us, not for his uh, senators up for re-election. So that's where we are. So if you're pissed right now because you've not gotten a check and he doesn't look like you're going to get a check, don't blame Nancy Pelosi. Uh, blame Mitch McConnell. Uh, so maybe, maybe don't vote for him tomorrow. Uh, all right, Nate, you got a story, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, hearing about the skinny stimulus uh, makes
1: me think that if he were a doctor like a Mitch McConnell, the ER doctor, and they bring someone in with a gunshot wound and he announces to the staff, let's give this patient a skinny blood transplant, you know, yeah, that would really work. Uh, so the headline tonight is Mitch doesn't care about your suffering. He only cares about big business friendly judges. So there's this legal term, depraved indifference. That sounds bad because it is bad. Let's check out the definition per the site US legal. Quote, uh, to constitute depraved indifference, the defendant's conduct must be so wanton, so deficient in a moral sense of concern, so lacking in regard for the life or lives of others, and so blameworthy as to warrant the same criminal liability as that which the law imposes upon a person who intentionally causes a crime. You can see where this is going, right? The guy who wants you to re-elect him, Mitch McConnell, is the same guy who continues to manage the agenda of the Senate with depraved indifference for the risk of your suffering, not to mention, you know, your actual suffering. I'm not talking about whether he makes public statements expressing concerns for Kentuckians. I'm talking about what he's actually, actually, actually doing in the Senate right now. As we've heard already this night, what he needs to be doing is passing coronavirus relief, which we really should call it what it is. It's recession relief, because we have fallen into a recession thanks to the mismanagement of the pandemic in America by President Trump and the Republican leaders who support him, e.g. Mitch McConnell. Actually, they should put Trump's picture in the legal dictionary next to the definition of uh, depraved indifference, but I digress. Is there a coronavirus relief bill that the Senate could be considering and voting on? Why, yes. Just a month ago, October 1st, the House of Representatives passed a modified version of the HEROES Act for $2.2 trillion. That's a big number. But for comparison, the 2017 tax cut that gave most of its money away to corporations and the wealthy, that's costing us $2.3 2.3 trillion dollars over 10 years. So it's not like Mitch and the Senate are scared of big numbers, but what is he actually scared of? Ooh, that's like a tie into Halloween. Mitch is scared of not being able to keep packing the judiciary with radical activist judges who are approved by the Federalist Society because they'll consistently vote in a rule rather in favor of big business and the wealthy, not for the interests of regular Kentuckians like us and you. He's so scared that he may not be able to keep going on with this evil work of doing nothing but confirming these radical judges that he's putting off what? Yes, coronavirus relief. Just this last Friday, October 30th, Mitch told radio talk host show host Hugh Hewitt that instead of acting on the relief bill, he is going to have the majority Republican Senate do pretty much nothing but keep confirming these activist judges up until Congress adjourns on January 3rd. Quote, We're going to run through the tape. We're going to clean the plate. Clean all the district judges off as well. But, 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 but the relief bill. Nope. Here's what Mitch told Hugh Hewitt in that same radio interview. Quote, we probably need to do another package. Uh, probably? I think that'll be something we need to do right at the beginning of the year. Oh, I see. So while so many Kentuckians are increasingly at the end of their rope, Mitch McConnell is going to run through the end of his tape of radical judges. So, while a huge and growing number of Kentuckians don't have food on their plates, Mitch McConnell is fixing to clean his own plate of radical judges who will consistently rule in favor of corporations and the 1%. And while so many Kentuckians are living with the fallout of our current national recession that has no end in sight, Mitch McConnell is telling us, hey, just tighten your belt through Christmas, and maybe, maybe I'll let the Senate revisit getting you some emergency money after New Year's. Hey, my fellow Kentucky voters, do we really want to reward this man's depraved indifference to the suffering that could have been prevented with responsible leadership in the White House and the Senate? Please, don't you be indifferent to it. Vote for Amy McGrath to end this reign of irresponsible, gratuitous cruelty. And let's get our government working for all of us again. For Moscow Mitch Monday, I'm Nate Orshian.
0: Thanks Nate. Depraved indifference. That's our Senator folks. Uh, you know, which this sounds familiar, right? Because if you think about it a year ago, what was Mitch doing? I think he was defending Trump over a government shutdown right? Like there was a government shutdown over the holidays. So, you know, government workers, you know, people who worked at federal prisons who don't have a lot of, you know, you know, uh, room in their budgets to begin with, were, you know, kind of forced to go without over the holidays, because, you know, there was a fight over the funding of the wall. And Mitch, of course, wouldn't ever, you know, dare cross Trump. Uh, So I guess that gives uh, a little bit of Context for my story, which is actually an opinion piece from Sunday, uh, which uh, Linda Blackford wrote uh, asking, Will Mitch McConnell act like a statesman on November 4th? So she, it's a great column. If you don't read Linda Blackford's work, you really should. I think she does an amazing job. But she uh, harkens back to the election a year ago. Uh, just just a year ago, uh, when Matt Bevin was uh, running, you know, to be governor again, uh, and in a very narrow with a very narrow margin, lost uh, to Andy bashir Thank God. Uh, but what happened, if you recall, was Bevin started making these, you know, allusions to irregularities in the elections, right? So basically saying that, no, this this election could have been stolen. There's a lot of irregularities. And I think there, there were, you know, a couple of irregularities, which were, you know, a handful of votes because it's an imperfect world and there are irregularities in our world, but there was not any sort of widespread efforts to, you know, keep votes from being counted. There's no efforts to, you know, uh, tip the scales in his, or, you know, in Andy Bashir's favor or anything like that. It was just some, you know. County clerks who made a couple mistakes, right? Uh, and so when they actually certified the results and recanvassed the results, there was no change. Uh, but what was interesting was while that was happening, you know, we had some, you know, I hate to give them this, you know, this credit, but like statesmanlike behavior from uh, the state capitol in Frankfurt. Uh, specifically, uh, Jason Neems uh, from Louisville said the best thing to do right now, uh, is for governor Bevin to concede the election so he can move on. Uh, so, you know, actually calling on Bevin to just stop, uh, making any sort of claims he couldn't back up. And, uh, Senate president, Robert Stivers said, it's time to call it quits and go home. Say he had a good four years and congratulate governor elect Bashir. Uh, and this was before the re right? So, you know, basically a lot of Republicans were willing to say, look, there's no here, there, there. He should stop talking about this. He should just ex- accept this election. So the real question is, will Mitch McConnell play a role like this, uh, you know, in say 48 hours, right? Um, and I think if you are banking on the future of our democracy, uh, on Mitch McConnell acting like a statesman, and challenging Trump on any level, uh, I think we are going to hell in a handbasket, right? Because I don't think Trump, you know, Trump's never really been checked by McConnell. Everyone knew McConnell didn't really like Trump, but he absolutely was happy to get into bed with him when he was elected, right? And didn't, doesn't ever call him out, except for in the most egregious instances, he'll maybe issue a statement that is against something similar to the egregious instance, but never calls Trump out by name. Uh, Right. So it is, you know, he's his political calculation is that that kind of willingness to just let Trump trample, uh, you know, the presidential office, you know, uh, is absolutely worth it in these, you know, as we just heard from Nate, young conservative judges being appointed. He knows that's how he wants to change our political landscape and to do it for a generation. He doesn't care if Trump is wholly, you know, destroying and degrading the office of the president. So it's hard to expect Trump uh, to, you know, have a check in the Senate uh, majority leader uh, in whatever crazy town he's gonna do, right? He's already announced. I mean, we don't talk about Trump on this show very much because it doesn't really, you know, factor into the Senate race a ton, but uh, it absolutely, you know, the outcome of this election, you know, is seriously going to be in question by Trump's behavior. Uh, he has said already, you know, the quiet part out loud that they are going to flood Pennsylvania with with their attorneys to, to stop counting uh, the votes because he's pretty sure that he'll be able to win if they just count the you know, day of election. Because, of course, he told everyone not to vote early because people find their ballots in the crick or whatever the hell is like crazy. He was spinning out. Right. Uh, so, you know, he understands, I think, you know, they've got polling uh, and I'm sure their polling shows he's going down right? So he is trying desperately to hold on to this office. And he does not care about the integrity of our, you know, our institutions, uh, if he has to, de- to destroy them to hold on to them. So the single best counterweight to Trump's unhinged behavior, which we can, I think, bank on seeing, you know, this time tomorrow, uh, and later, uh, would be the Senate majority leader. Uh, and, you know. I, I, Like I said, I don't think he'll step up, but I think we should pressure him to do so, uh, no, you know, no matter your party. Uh, but uh, I think that's what we got uh, in store for us. Uh, I think between now and the next time you see us uh, on Moscow Mitch Monday, uh, things could get very interesting. Uh, and I'm very hopeful that we'll see some actual leadership, but I am not going to hold my breath. All right, so that's Mitch in the news. Uh, you can find links to all those stories uh, in our comments. So if you want to go deeper dive yourself in any of those stories, just do it. Click on the links. Um, but our next segment, which I'm really excited about tonight, uh, is our campaigns corner. So our quick five minute interview to help uh, you know educate our viewers about what's going on in the larger pr- progressive political ecosystem here in Kentucky. How can folks get involved? How can folks be a part of making Kentucky a more progressive political uh, politically progressive state? Uh, and what we have with uh, who we have with us tonight. Uh, is the new-ish Fayette County Democratic Party chair, Josh Mers? Josh, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to be here. So, yeah, tell us. I, I think that's right. You're kind of new, right? You haven't been there in, that long?
3: Yeah, so I'm new to the chair of the Fayette County Democratic Party. I was, uh, I've been on the executive committee since, like, 2012, when I was the president of the Fayette County Young Democrats, um. So I've been around the county party for quite a while, but
0: as the chair, that started in July. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, quiet time, just quiet time to take over. Perfect time, perfect time to jump in. Uh, how has it been going? What have you guys you guys been up to? Oh my gosh
3: it's uh, it's been going great. We are the party, the county party that all the other counties across the state really look to to see how to do things. Uh, you know, we did uh, um, 14,000 texts over the, the weekend alone to Fayette County. That doesn't count the calls and the text and the lit drops. Uh, we delivered a total of about 6,000 yard signs for every campaign from the top to the bottom of the ticket in uh, one weekend. Uh, so we've got an amazing volunteer crew. <clears throat> I think everybody is is pushing to the last minute. I know there's still some phone banking going on for some county volunteers right now as we speak. And I think we're all just trying to get to the finish line tomorrow.
0: <laughs> absolutely and as someone who received uh a shipment of yard signs i want to say thank you uh that was fantastic it's like better than my newspaper delivery it came out oh <laughs> hey, look there it is uh well-timed so that even my very uptight hoa couldn't get mad at me about putting them out too early which was lovely right uh, right here. Right here. <laughs> uh cool and what are you so which races are you guys watching the, or are you seeing the most kind of volunteer engagement and activity well, I mean, the McGrath campaign <clears throat> definitely kind of takes center stage. I think
3: everybody is, uh, and it happens every six years, that we are so excited to, for that opportunity to, to end Mitch's now 36 years uh, in the U.S. Senate that we get volunteers asking you know, nonstop to be part of the McGrath campaign and how can they help. Uh, the good news is, is that we coordinate all of our efforts. So a volunteer that comes to the county party for McGrath is also helping Josh Hicks for Congress, is also helping our state legislative candidates, uh, and even our, magist- our magistrate candidate in the first district. Uh, everything else is nonpartisan, it's on the ballot, so we don't get involved in that. But uh, it allows us to coordinate up and down the ballot and really get the most uh, bang for our, our volunteer
0: effort. That's fantastic. Uh, cool. Oh, and I guess I'm going to ask you, I, I always skip this question. What What would your protest sign say today? What, what would you be holding up there, Josh? Uh, probably something along the lines of
3: 36 years. Are you effing kidding me? I wasn't sure if I was allowed to actually say the real word. So I figured I'd just give the the, the, the letter on there
0: that's probably good i mean it's a family show i i I don't i don't know that it is i don't know that we have any kids watching i don't i don't think this is a really big uh big in the kid demographic but yeah i got you i appreciate that you know we want to keep it clean uh all right any questions uh for uh for josh from the the co-host Nate or kimberly uh gosh you don't Uh,
1: have to uh, it's fine can you i'm putting you on the spot well, yeah, I, I, I guess what's the breakdown of volunteers? Like, would you know, when I think of, uh, especially on election day, you know, you think of poll workers and they tend to be older and whatnot, but I'm curious about sort of what the demo, demos are for uh, the folks that you've got helping you. We've got everything from, I think the oldest volunteer right now
3: is about 88 years old, I think she is, and then we've got everything down to, to high school kids that are out doing lit drops on, on on weekends um you know and then I spake, I, I think that the texting uh, a big push for the weekend was that the Kentucky Young Democrats uh messaged me and said hey we've finished texting everything that we've been given by KDP do you have anything for us and so they they tackled several thousand
0: uh just right out of the gate for us uh, for the weekend that's awesome that's awesome Kimberly you have a question for Josh
2: Yes, just want to say, Josh, congratulations on your new uh, position there, and it sounds like you're already doing some great things, so I guess I don't have a question. I just wanted to make a statement. Congratulations, and um, we'll be talking real soon.
3: Well, thank you so much. Don't forget that you all have, uh, over there in uh, Louisville, the largest county party, And I know that they are just like us, always looking for uh, new members to join the executive committee to uh, to make sure that the progressive community and and our community as a whole is represented. Uh, And that's one of the things that I'll point out is keep in mind that every four years, the the Democratic Party from the precinct level all the way up to our national committee has to reorganize. Uh, Typically, that's done in a presidential election year, but because of COVID, we postponed it. Uh, So 2021, where there are no elections on the ballot, unless there ends up being a special election for the state of Kentucky, we get to reorganize the party. Uh, And, you know, you you bring up, you know, as you kind of led into this intro, how can we help to make sure that Kentucky becomes a more progressive, more forward thinking state? Well, it starts right at your local level on the party. Get involved as a precinct person. Get involved on our local executive committees. Get involved on the state central executive committee. That's how you make changes to the Democratic Party within Fayette County and within Kentucky as a whole.
0: Awesome. Great. And so, yeah, as you said, like every six years, people get excited because they want to take down Mitch. Uh, hopefully, you know that ends tomorrow. Uh, but um, but yeah, what do you you know you you want people to get involved with the actual organization itself in terms of its leadership? That's the best way to to help out, or what else should people know? Well, no, I mean I, that's that's
3: a huge piece to it. That's how you really can kind of shape the direction of the party itself. Uh, the volunteer effort is huge. You know, find your candidates that you you know you love and adore, and you just think that they are the greatest thing to happen to Kentucky politics since forever, and volunteer, you know, they need it, they need your donations, even if it's, you know, a $5 donation, they need your, you know, your sweat and your tears. Uh, you know, I ran for office, and probably the greatest moment when I lost was seeing the emotional effect on the people that had put, you know, months and months of effort into the supporting my campaign. Uh, it really made you feel like you had possibly changed the, the, the conversation a bit. Uh, And so that's great. And then the other part is run for office. You know, I mean, we don't do a good job as Democrats and progressives in Lexington where our council races are nonpartisan of trying to help progressive candidates be a part of, you know, the most localized uh, government that that interaction that we've got. Uh, You know, more stuff happens at 200 East Main, uh, that's city hall. Uh, here in Lexington, than then change that happens in Frankfurt or Washington any day of the week. And we need good, bright, progressive minds to sit on that council, because I think people take for granted that Lexington is this, you know, island of blue and a sea of red. And they take for granted how close that council is to being a conservative majority council. And we
0: need more folks involved in that. That's a really good point. That is a a great point. Thanks, Josh. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your perspective. And we're excited to help the Fayette County Democratic Party, you know, uh, beyond tomorrow. Uh, Let's check back in. But uh, thanks for uh, for getting us that information. Thank you, guys. Keep at it. And,
3: uh, you know, here's to celebrating in 24 or maybe 48 or 72 hours, however long it is.
0: (laughs) However long it takes for all the votes to be counted. God damn it, Donald Trump. Every single vote that's we're not making any decisions until they're all counted. Uh, all right. Thanks, Josh. All right. Next up, uh, we have got our call to action. Uh, for this one, we're actually going to bring in the weekend's speakers. So, uh, we didn't have, you know, the entire crew show up for our Saturday event, but we had some amazing speakers. And so we wanted to share them with you. And I think, uh, I think Ken's got it, uh, queued up for us. First
4: off, I want to recognize State Senator Reggie Thomas who's come out to join us. Yeah. But let me tell you, aren't you just fired up and ready to go? Yes! Yeah. Yeah. I'll you, I got up this morning, I've, I've, been, I've been coming to some of these meetings, and i say I am ready. And one important thing, I am ready to retire Mitch McConnell.
5: Yes! Yeah. Yeah.
4: 36 years is long enough. And I want to tell y'all, Kentucky, and locally, Kentucky can do that. And folks, I tell you, we need a change. It is time for a change. And it is time for Amy yes. 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 to Yes. that is. I just want to echo what my good friend Aaron said. We've got a senator here who can rush through a, a justice for the Supreme Court, but can't do anything to help people who are hungry and starving and out of work here in our own state. That's right. He can put a justice on the court, That's but right. he can't put bread on our table. Just right yeah. think about right. that. Right. That's right. That's right. He, 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 can, he can find time to do all of Trump's bidding, but he he can't bid own health and all protection under this virus. Nope. That's right. Mitch McConnell, and I want I want to report this. Mitch McConnell is as much responsible. But he's 20, 30,000 deaths in America. Yes. That's uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Look kind of, at it, how it, it's Donald Trump's chief enabler. Yep.
5: Yeah.
4: And on Tuesday, we're going to see a major change here in this country. Yeah, we are. Yes. yes. And Kentucky is going
5: of the reason
4: Woo! So sorry, we're going to put Andy
3: McGrath
4: in. Yep. <laughs> girl, a McGrath, a patriot, a soldier. A, peck, a pilot, someone who represents us, who's going to be a voice for us, and of course, Richard Arnold, a voice for the wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's stay resolute. Yep. Let's stay strong. Yep. Let's stay firm. Yep. And on Tuesday, let's stay, stay victorious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you. Thank you. Up
6: so you cannot believe how good it is for me to see you all. It just fills my heart. It is really, really amazing. So, uh, this is my last speech of the 2020 campaign season. And for me, that season started in July of 2019, uh, when it was just Lynn and I driving around the Prius, and we ended up being Lynn and I driving around the Prius. But, But I'll tell you what I want to say, though. I want to say to everyone, and I know there's a couple of you here who supported my campaign, I am so incredibly proud that when the primary concluded in June, you gracefully accepted the results of the primary, yes. and you immediately went to work to get Colonel McGrath elected to the United States Senate. Yep. And that shows yes. that shows an incredible deal of maturity, an incredible deal of character, and I'm more than proud, I cannot imagine, to be associated with you, and thank you. Oh. All right, Come on. Woo. So I am optimistic, looking forward to Election Day. I'm cautiously optimistic. But I am not optimistic about what happens Because no matter whether we take the White House, we take the Senate, we retain the House of Representatives, I am still concerned that we are under threat, whether or not we'll remain a nation of laws. And that is what is most important to me. And so I'm concerned about the future. And it is with great caution, with great respect, that I want to borrow a phrase from our Jewish brothers and sisters who survived the Shoah, and their phrase is, never forget. Never forget. Because we cannot forget what had happened in the last four years, when the, the absurd and the violent, the things that were unthinkable when President Obama ran this country had become so normal, they don't even make headlines anymore. So I want to use the phrase, never forget. We never forget, never forget the cretins that crawled out from under their rocks. The racists, the bigots, the people full of hate who came out from under their rocks when Donald Trump was elected. Me, as a person of privilege, I didn't see them on a day-to-day basis, but they were always there. And I'll tell you what, I see them now, and I will never forget. And I don't want you to forget either. I'll tell you what I also, we'll never forget. We're never gonna forget that the killers at Arbery, yes. Brianna Taylor, Eric Garner
4: yes. were allowed
6: to walk free
5: yes.
6: and we can't forget the people who were killed and we cannot forget the people in the system that enabled their killers to walk these streets today. Never forget. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. There are other things we absolutely yes. cannot forget. I don't want to take too much time. There's signs to be waved. But most importantly, most importantly, I want you never to forget that Mitch McConnell is the one who packed our judiciary, our federal bench with judges, with lifetime appointments, with people who are hostile to women, hostile to reproductive choice, hostile to LGBTQ persons, hostile to labor, and hostile to immigrants, okay? And this is his final screw you to America (laughs) and democracy, but thank God on November on, on November third, November fifth, it will be his last <laughs> <Good> chance, chance. <laughs> screw you to American yeah. democracy. And I want to conclude with, two, with 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 two more things. Right here in fayette County, last night there were ten thousand ballots that have not yet been returned. That wow. means some of us here, know people, yeah. who haven't turned in their ballots. Yeah. So this weekend, please go home. Call your friends, call your relatives, call your neighbors, and help them get their vote in. Because one thing we learned in the 2018 gubernatorial election is every single vote counts. And the last thing I want to say to you is this. Is that while I want you to exercise your right to vote, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government. I want you to do it, particularly in the next couple weeks, with a great deal of caution. Because there are people out there who are itching for a fight. There are militias. There are politicians. There are even some churches who are advocating for a civil war in this country. They're ready to turn a verbal confrontation into a firefight. So please, keep doing what you're doing. But be careful, because we have a lot of fights ahead of us. That's
5: it.
4: Aaron, thank you so much for
0: having me. Are you ready to have me back? Um, are we back now? We're back right now? Folks, we're back. And we're back. Uh, so, uh, thank you so much for, uh, you know, I, Reggie and Mike. These are just great, great guys you know and great public servants and you know kind of just body that servant leadership that i think is so important and man we gotta get mike mike needs to be somewhere doing something uh i don't i'm not gonna say he's wasted on the farm because i've never tried his asparagus but i do think that uh you know he's a guy that should be in public life uh some some way for sure uh although um you know, he's a great activist, too, and he comes out for the right causes. And so we're glad he could uh, partner with us for that event. Uh, all right. So now we're going to go to our interview. This is really exciting. Uh, we have got Dr. Twina Bell, uh, LPCC, the Chief Director of Equality, Diversity, and Inclusion at MinorityFamilies.org. Uh, Dr. Bell is a licensed clinical mental health therapist specializing in trauma-informed self-care uh, as a scholarly scholarly practitioner. Uh, Dr. Bell has a research agenda that focuses on the integration of social justice, higher education, and post-COVID-19 behavior health care, uh, which that is a mouthful, uh, And but it sounds super important, uh, and we're so glad that you're joining us. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Bell.
7: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And I got to ask, if you were going to have a protest sign, <laughs> what would your protest sign say tonight?
7: My protest sign would say One Tree, H-E-A-L, One Tree Heal. It is a time for our nation to heal together as one. And it would be a picture of a tree.
0: Awesome. Coming and bringing us together. I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, so tell us a little bit about kind of your practice uh, and yeah, kind of what, what you do. Uh, besides the words I just read, what does that actually mean? <laughs>
7: So basically, I, like you spoke earlier, I am a servant leader. And so my leadership is really geared towards empowering and uplifting individuals and helping uh, families, children, communities to thrive and to really consider their functioning from a biopsychosocial framework. So that ecosystem that you spoke of earlier from an ecological framework and understanding the importance of mind, body, um, and soul, and how it makes us, you know, it gives us the balance that we need.
0: Oh, wow. So would would the term holistic fit into this?
7: Yes, absolutely. Natural and holistic.
0: So great. Okay, Nate, I think, Nate has a question for you.
7: Yes.
1: Yes, hi, Dr. Bell. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> so glad you're here. So, hey, the, the, the experience of chronic trauma and, and the disorders that can result from it seems like this eternal epidemic that robs so many people of the chance for successful relationships or successful employment or just plain healthy well-being as adults. And with all that in mind, I'm wondering what would uh, a more enlightened, more trauma-informed government policies look like to address this?
7: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, as we know, in order to provide effective evidence-based practice, meaning that services and techniques and modalities that have been researched and have been proven effective, there needs to be support from a policy level. And so one of the things that the administration, you know, can really, really push is, the need and to implement evidence-based practices. Oftentimes what we find is that some of the larger entities have access to the funding and we often refer to those entities as the golden, ch- the golden child. But there are communities that are dealing with health disparities, mental health issues, and they tend to not have the access that's needed for the effective services to be implemented. And so from a policy framework, I think if we have more advocates that really understand and that's very intentional about rolling out monies and, and programs to support these efforts, we'd see better impact. We'd see uh, an increase, de- uh, a decrease in violence, And, you know, it all just goes hand in hand. People are really hurting.
2: Well, Dr. Bell, um, I have a question, but I had to write it down because it's a pretty long question, but it needs to be asked. It's so important about this question. You know, a lot of people are anxious and depressed and frightened right now because of the toxic political environment uh, that we're living in. There are a lot of right-wing groups that are threatening violence all across this country and civil unrest if the election doesn't go their way. In the clip earlier, you know, we saw that Mike Breuer suggested that we take extra precautions uh, to stay safe in this moment that we've never really experienced in our lifetimes before. If we find ourselves in a dangerous situation Uh, What are ways we can de-escalate potential violence between family and friends and in public? How can we de-escalate some things? Yes.
7: I think the first thing that we have to realize is that we have to, to just implement a framework where we are responding situations to situations from a proactive manner versus reactive. And so we, I often use the illustration in my sessions, you have a bottle of water, and then you have a a pop, a soda pop. And if I shake this bottle of water up and take the top off, nothing's going to happen. It's calm, it's settled, and everything's balanced. But when you take the top off of a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi or a Mountain Dew, it's going to explode. And so one of the things that we need to be very intentional about is making decisions, stop, think and listen, evaluate our actions and being proactive versus reactive. And that's, oh, that's, in, that's in every realm. That's when we are going to the grocery stores, when we're going outside, that's when we're communicating with our family members. And you know, we have to be support agents to each other. And oftentimes with the modality of PCIT, parent-child interaction therapy, one of the things that we really focus on is teaching laypersons how to be the co-therapists. So at this time of unrest, we have to be the change agents within our own households and also within the communities. And when we can model that balance, positive, healthy behavior, then we can definitely impact others in reference to the responses. And so we just have to stop and think and process and really respond in, to any situation from a proactive framework.
0: That's great. So be like the water, not the Dr. Pepper.
7: Absolutely.
0: Uh, all right, now kind of a related question, right? So. Uh, You know, for half of this country, you know, they will be disappointed uh, in the results uh, from tomorrow's election. You know, our family, our friends, our loved ones may be depressed. They might be angry, might potentially have other mental health issues if their candidate isn't elected. Uh, What are some good resources to find or self-assessment tools to work out anxiety and stress uh, in this moment to help us, you know, find the kind of self-care, self-care tools we need uh, and how do we comfort them, uh, them ourselves?
7: I think one of the biggest thing that um, has come out of all of this is that mental health services, they're accessible to everyone at this time. Meaning that, you know, we've gotten off of the couch, okay? We've flipped the couch over. So telehealth services is a service that is going to give everyone access from the comfort zone of their home or wherever they're located, Uh, BetterHelp um, is one place where you can find a therapist. You can also visit us at minorityfamilies.org. We serve a variety of families and children, and most of the time people need to understand that there is typically a very low cost, if any that's associated with uh, being able to engage with a therapist. But I think the biggest thing is just understanding that it is okay to process Uh, we all are experiencing overdose, media overdose, you know, the the TV shows, the news, you know, everything that's going on, the fear that's associated with the election. So it's a hurting, we're, we're a hurting group of people right now. And even our healthcare professionals, you know, we're working more hours than ever before. But I think that if people just, you know, reach out and access services, just to have someone to chat with or to do a self-assessment by identifying, okay, identify what are your stressors? You know, what is it that is giving my body this reaction that is not typical? And once you're able to identify those stressors, then you can begin to go down your list of things that you know As as your individual self, how can I be a better me? What regulates me? For example, I love to go on walks and I love to see water. And so those are the things that are on my anchor list. If you create an anchor list for yourself, if you erase and put the slide the box over and everything that makes you happy and that brings comfort to your mind, body and spirit, what are those things? So when you begin to uh, experience an increased stress level, you can go to that anchor list and that anchor list is gonna give you that shift and that relaxation that you need. Also, a really, really big thing that we're pushing is you know, relaxation strategies and deep breathing, okay? Just a simple breath. Just to be able to stop, take a deep breath. And just release, turn it off so when you find yourself we call it your thermometer and when your thermometer begins to increase you can just literally that is a tool that you have with you all the time to just stop and take that deep breath and release that deep breath and when you release that deep breath we want you to release it like We've worked with a lot of children um, in the Louisville area that were definitely impacted by the trauma as it relates to the protest and all the unrest, the gunshots, things of that nature in their neighborhood. And so we received calls all times of the night. And so we we conducted um, an intervention with the deep breathing techniques and we had great results, oftentimes those kids are continuing to use just that simple strategy. It's very simple. It's about being our own self managers and self care. That means that, you know, we all are, we're we're going to the Zoom meetings and we have these deadlines and we're now working from home, which means that we have to juggle not only ourselves and our work life, but also our families. We have to keep up with the public and the political events that's going on. And uh, most of, I think the most stressful thing for a lot of our adults is the unknown. We don't know what the outcome is. We don't know what it is. However, if we can put rituals in place from the time we wake up in the morning, one of the things that we wanna encourage you to do is back to the water. Start off by drinking, you know, hydrating your body first thing in the morning taking those deep breaths and just grounding yourself before you go into the grind and the responsibilities that you have and just really manage your mental health.
0: That's fantastic. This is so helpful. This is so wonderful. I think it's very well-timed for us to be able to, you know, uh, put some of these practices into place. Uh, And I know Kimberly has a question that she wants to ask.
2: Yes, Kimberly. Kimberly. Um, Dr. Bell, I've been hearing about a certain self-care facility that has been opened up in the Frankfurt area.
7: Yes, yes. We're really, really excited about the self-care solution. And basically what the self-care center is, it's a place where everyone can come, families, children, individuals and just receive resources and engage in complementary treatment modalities that's gonna help them to maintain the balance that they need. And so at the self-care center, we're really, really pushing the natural way of being healed, the natural healing techniques, because oftentimes you go to your therapist's office or through a telehealth you know, intervention program, You may spend one hour or two hours a week with that therapist, but what happens after that therapist isn't available to you? And so we promote and we educate on natural healing resources such as uh, essential oils and diffusing the importance of, you know, just putting a diffuser in your home with lavender or you know having the opportunity to put wild orange in your diffuser to just kind of give you that boost it's been particularly effective uh, you're at your computer all day but you're running your diffuser and so the potency of the oils you know back to you know when it all started the natural way there are healing properties to those oils and so using your diffusers throughout the day Positive affirmations, you know, we're going to get through this. We are a country that is strong and we stand together. So, in spite of all the political unrest and, you know, the things that's going on in our country, um, going back to reframing how we think and and being able to like have those reflections that's based on what we stand, uh, where we stand with our togetherness, you know, we will heal, we will come together, those positive affirmations. And when you begin to speak positive in spite of everything that's going on right now, it impacts your whole mind, body, and soul. You know, I think about uh, with this show and getting the invite and the information that you guys are actually putting out here, your advocates, your servant leaders, and there's gonna be a positive outcome that is associated with the work that you're doing. However, they're gonna also be listeners that is not gonna respond in such a positive way. And so what we wanna do is we learn, we want to practice self-compassion and compassion for other people. So although people may come to us from a very toxic framework, we have to be able to address and identify you know, what's going on, but also have compassion for them to understand they're not making the right decision or they don't have the best interests of the country in mind. However, we're gonna keep fighting and we're gonna keep using our voices and we're gonna advocate and we're gonna stand together. And those are the things that's gonna empower us and keep us moving forward.
0: That's so great. That's some fantastic stuff to take away uh, from this interview, Dr. Bell. Uh, thank you for sharing it all with us. Uh, and now we're going to move on to our um, uh, our weekly segment. Uh, you know, Doug Price is amazing following Mitch's money uh, because we've got, you know, uh, six months worth of looking at Mitch and his behaviors. Uh, and uh, Doug has picked the top five uh, Mitch, worst Mitch actions or inactions.
2: I would certainly be in favor of allowing state to use the bankruptcy route. Good.
8: Good evening. Tonight's following Mitch's Money will be my analysis of the top five worst actions or inactions Mitch has either undertaken or helped along the way to the detriment of Kentucky and our nation. Coming in fifth, Big Pharma. An article written by Josh Israel in the American Independent noted that Mitch announced in September 2019 his intention to block bills to lower prescription drug costs. Three months later, Big Pharma had donated over $50,000 to Mitch. Mitch stated at the time, socialist price controls will do a lot of left-wing damage to the health care system. Could we use some price controls? Here is an example. In 1996, insulin cost $21 a vial and now costs $275 a vial. The same vial in Canada cost about $30. Money talks and Mitch listens. Coming in fourth, Mitch and the NRA. The Brady Organization noted that the NRA, NRA had contributed $1.2 $1.2 million to Mitch over his career. The latest measure to fall victim to McConnell's veto, H.R. 8, a package of gun control legislation. The bill passed the House in February 2019 and apparently is still sitting on Mitch's desk, along with 400 other bills. In the 2020 election cycle, the NRA has spent 25.7 million dollars in contributions, lobbying, and PAC funding. Money talks and Mitch listens. Coming in third, Citizens United. In 2002, Congress passed the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act to control the money flowing into politicians. Mitch fought back against the BCRA and actually filed suit in 2003 That ultimately ended up in the U.S. Supreme Court. He lost that particular battle, but that actually may have set him on his effort to pack the courts. Ultimately, the 2010 Citizens United case opened the flow of unlimited cash into Mitch's pockets and virtually all politicians as the courts ruled that money was protected, giving money was protected under the First Amendment right of free speech. On an earlier Moscow Mitch Monday, we had a guest tell us that she learned it cost $25,000 to even get a meeting with Mitch. Money talks and Mitch listens. Coming in second, does Mitch care about Kentucky? Mitch really does not care about Kentucky or all Kentuckians. He cares about the fact that the coal industry has given him over $950,000 during his time in the Senate. From 1918 to 2020, the coal industry has spent over $189 million in lobbying members of Congress. As another example, payday lenders have given Mitch over $140,000. These companies prey on the very people that Mitch will not help, those at or below the federal poverty level. Mitch has never voted to raise the minimum wage of $7.25. The federal poverty level computes to approximately $6.13 an hour, and Kentucky has over 800,000 people at or below the poverty level. Mitch has done very little to help the crumbling infrastructure in Kentucky, nor has he promoted programs that would specifically help Eastern Kentucky counties that have been devastated by the opioid crisis and the death of the coal business. Money talks, and Mitch listens. Coming in first, Mitch and the Supreme Court. In my opinion, the recent fast-tracking of Amy Coney Barrett is the very worst action McConnell has taken during his tenure in Congress. Her being on the court changes the makeup to a 6-3 conservative-leaning court. Mitch orchestrated this appointment, and this will be his legacy. From an op-ed by Linda Blackford of the Herald-Leader, Harold Feynman recently described Mitch as the apex predator of American politics. McConnell is transforming the federal judiciary from sometimes defenders of the poor, immigrants, and people of color into the Praetorian Guard of corporations, the wealthy, and those whose cultural and racial privileges make them, at best, oblivious to their collective responsibility to all Americans. Mitch's mission is complete. His constituents' pain, their homelessness, hunger, sickness, is little more than an abstraction. He has answered the first question. He could help them, but he will not. The only other question is why we continue to re-elect him. For the good of Kentucky, for the good of our country, if you have not already voted, then please vote tomorrow to ditch Mitch.
1: Partisan impeachment will end today.
8: President Putin was extremely strong and powerful.
0: Proud Boys, gosh.
8: stand back and stand by.
0: All right. Uh, thank you, Doug Price, uh, for always doing the homework and figuring out how Mitch is failing our state and how he's following the money to, uh, to deliver horrible policy for all of us, or stop good policy. He probably mostly stops good policy um, because he doesn't really pass a lot, right? I get judges.
1: Grim Uh, Reaper, Grim
0: Reaper. That's the Grim Reaper. Gotta get rid of that guy. Uh, All right, so I think that's the end of our show pretty much. We're gonna throw it over to Kimberly to close us out.
2: Yes, well, remember committee, we've got just one day to win this thing big and retire mitch to save our democracy i know it sounds like some type of pitch line but our democracy is at stake right now more than what it's ever have been so please 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 make sure to take action right now and what i mean by that is this week could look like this it could look like terror and mayhem or possibly a path back to normalcy But the thing about it is that we're just gonna incorporate some of the breathing and things that Dr. Bell taught us and it will be fine. Uh, So tomorrow, if you have not voted and you don't have one of these on, you need to make sure you vote tomorrow. Your vote counts. There have been times that candidates have won with just one vote or five votes every vote matters every vote matters so on wednesday what you can do well wait a minute it's too late to vote but you can still see ken's art show and now friday is also going to be the last day to see ken's activist art show american exceptionalism degenerate counterculture and the 100 seconds until midnight it will be running until november the 6th at the Lexington Art League at the Loudoun House. His artist website is, yes it is, www.alllowercaseletters.com. And on Facebook, you can also check him out at the Obliquity of the Ecliptic. This is a mixed media show, both digital and physical art that features activism. So Mitch Please is the feel good song of this election cycle, and also I want to say this: Join me on Sunday at 1 p.m. on the Jones Report radio program on Facebook. Once again, is that 1 p.m. on Sunday at the Jones Report radio program? And join my co-hosts, which are Betsy Foster and Mike Broyer. So we'll be talking about some things as well. So until next time we will have an update for you stay tuned and stay tuned to this we have about 3600 likes let's bring it up to 4000 we will have the information you need about the election as you sit back and breathe and wait so until then we love you and we'll see you later